I'm so glad you're here, glad you're a part of our service. It's been so neat to see so many people back, and uh, I'm so glad and thankful that you're in this service as well. Today's going to be a little different, and I hope that it will make a blessing to you, and I hope that you will uh, be able to uh, take something away from the day. Uh, we started a series last week. I was not in town, of course, if you have not heard, Lori's parents lost everything in the fire in California. And, uh, uh, we went out there to be with them, try and help them. Pastor Matt started the series, and we watched it from California. And man, he was, he was strong. I mean, uh, can he get a hand clap? He brought the word. Um, but he uh, started a series called uh, Reset, Bring Back the Love. Reset. And, and when we talk about love, when we talk about relationships in the church, we automatically think, oh, he's talking about marriage. But relationships and love are a lot more than just marriage relationships. We're called to relationships here on earth. And we thought it would be very good in the times and seasons of life right now that we push pause and we reset our life and mind on what God says about His love and how we're to show love to others. How many of you would say right now our country is at a little unrest? I would say from COVID-19, I would say from uh, all the different uh, disasters going on, I would also say we're going in through one of the most toxic seasons in American culture, and that is the election process. I would say that we have a lot to be nervous about, but I believe God's people, Jesus' followers, have a lot to be confident in knowing that God is the one we put our hope and faith and trust in. And I'm in fear of this, and I guess that's probably not a good word, fear, because I believe we always have to choose faith over fear, but we all have fears. But I would tell you this, one thing that's been a little bit um, disheartening to me is watching Jesus' followers and, and their unrest in relationships. And today I hope to help you with that. And me and Lori are going to be answering some questions that some of you asked. And Daniel's going to ask us the questions in a moment. They'll come up and they'll help me with this. But I wanted to set this up. I want you to take a pen and a piece of paper. Or you can take your phone, type notes in. If you have an iPhone, type notes in. If you have an Android, uh, throw it on the ground and stomp on it. And then get a pen and piece of paper. And, and, and I, I want you to write these down because these are important as we talk about relationships. I believe that it's time God's people start using the term biblical worldview. If we don't start with a biblical worldview with our students and our children and as adults, then we're not going to get in at the right destination. A biblical worldview is something very important. In fact, I'm so thrilled this fall, hundreds of people going through Rooted, a 10-week discipleship. It's amazing. I watched students last Wednesday night pledge to go through a 10-week discipleship here at our church. I'm thrilled because I believe the Bible, God's Word, is what brings lasting change to man in relationships. In fact, God's Word says stuff about our soul. How many of you can say, man, my soul's been at unrest? Uh, you've heard the terms soul care. Uh, God's intention, his original intention for our souls, the environment for our souls was in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter number two, you find four elements that I believe are important for us to look at when we talk about relationships and our soul. 
our soul care. Uh, in, in the Garden of Eden, we see in, in Genesis chapter number uh, two, but the first one I want you to write down is rest. Part of soul care is rest. In the Garden of Eden, God intended for us to rest. In Genesis 2, 9, it says, The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food. Come on, somebody. He included food right there. Good for handles, ice cream, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Wow. I feel the hate. Uh, Then he says this, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, We see at the very set in the Garden of Eden that God was setting the tone of rest, enjoying life. We don't enjoy life anymore. Uh, There's no margin in our life. We've allowed uh, a technology to be attached to our hip, and we're intaking information, and it's information overload. And God never intended for us to have all this information at our fingertips, and He never intended for us to carry all these burdens. And, And so we don't rest. And, and we rest and we enjoy life, enjoy life, enjoy good food. And now we can debate on good food. Good food, is it uh, non-dairy? Is good food like gluten-free? Or is good food handles ice cream? I'm going to interpret that he means handles ice cream. Uh, I'm going to keep saying it until you get on board with this and all God's people. Uh, here, here's the second thing. Not only rest, soul care, responsibility responsibility. God gives us all responsibility. In Garden of Eden, he did. In in Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the rest and uh, responsibility. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. Work it and watch over it. Everybody has responsibility in their life to work it and watch over it. Work it and keep it. See, your soul needs rest, but it also needs responsibility. God created us to work. God created us to have some responsibilities. Work what the Lord gave you. This is something that I want to talk to you about, about soul care as we start. Work what the Lord gave you. Stop looking at other people's work and envying their work. Stop looking at other relationships. Stop looking at other finances. Stop looking at everything around you and understand God created you and you are the only one that can fulfill the mission that God gave you. No one else can do it. So if you're a student in here, if you're married, if you're single, I want you to know if you're breathing God's air, he has a plan that only you can fulfill and you have a responsibility to work it and watch it to make sure you fulfill that mission as you live this life and on this journey. And so we often look at everybody else's life and we miss out on the mission God gave us in our life. Responsibility. When God gives you responsibility and you don't do it, it hurts your soul. It hurts you, right? You, you disappoint, and you, you know you're supposed to do it, and you, man, that hurts. It grieves me. It don't only hurts your soul when you don't work it, when you live in self-pity, or when you have pride, or when you mess up and you don't get back up, you don't only hurt your soul, you hurt the people around you's soul as well. Here's the third one, restriction. This is one we have a hard time with, restriction. Genesis 2.15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And, and Genesis 2.17 says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. In the Garden of Eden, there was restriction. Now, the odds were in our favor when it comes to restriction because it's the only one tree that we were not allowed to eat. 
and he stacks it in our favor, only one tree. It's imperative sometimes when you could say yes, you still say no anyway. Uh, You could eat Handel's ice cream for every meal. But you need to say no because it will give long-term effects to your health. Can I get a witness on that one? I know that for sure. Just say it. Uh, uh, you, you don't want to eat certain things that could hurt your health. Why? You could eat it and you could do it, but it's important for you to have a restriction and say no to it. And so we have to say no to things in our lives so we can say yes to the right things in our life. Here's the fourth one as we talk about relationships today, the word relationships. These are four Four elements that make our souls happy and healthy when we, when we really measure ourselves on these four elements. Look at Genesis 2.18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. So I want you to see in, in this passage that right away God addresses relationships. We all need relationships And we all have and ought to give a relationship to someone else. So on that, I want want you to understand as we talk today that rest, bring back the love, God's love, reset, reset our life and our relationships, not on politics, not on our ideas, not on what we think, not on anything else, but on God's word, we reset our life so we bring back the love that overflows out of our life from being a Christ follower because God is love. Rest, responsibility, restriction, and relationships. So out of those four elements, I'm going to ask Daniel and Lori uh, to come on up. Give them a hand, especially Lori, who cares about Daniel, but uh, give him a hand and uh, we'll start this. But these are questions that you ask. I'm going to have Daniel take over with these questions. Did you all really just give me a microphone? Oh this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I have mistake. some questions here, but I'll probably make up my own, Lori, if that's okay. Yeah, I'll stick to the script, buddy. Okay. All right, cool. Um, all right, we're going to dive right in here. This one's... Um, what do you do when no one is winning the argument? You give in to Mark. <laughs> you guys got to lighten up a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we asked this in the first service, and when this was asked, uh, I really think a passage of Scripture that comes to my mind that I really would ask you all to write down, and even online, is in Romans 14. In Romans 14, the last part of that chapter is really what the Bible even says is the law of love. I I, want to read it to you for just a moment, if you'll allow me to do that, in Romans 14. And I'm going to read just a couple verses of Scripture, but I want you to look at Romans 14, and uh, I want you uh, to go there. And in verse 13, it says this. Well, let's go to verse 1. Romans 14, 1 says, Except anyone who is weak in the faith, except, in other words, receive them, anyone who is weak in the faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. And then if you skip down to verse 13, it says this, therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. So knowing winning the argument to me is, is first of all, taking a step back. The only one that should win in that situation is God. Uh, to me, we have to decide that who's the author of our life 
and we have to decide who we're going to allow win in our life, and that is God. It's not about me or Lori or a coworker or anyone winning an argument. It's about God winning in our life. And so we have to take a step back and apply God's Word to our lives when it comes to no one winning an argument or you're stuck. Uh, it says in verse 13, uh, don't put a stumbling block. So, and then if you skip down to verse 15, you keep reading, for if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat or no longer walking according to love, do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. There goes the food again. Uh, to be careful about anything you do, even down to the food you eat and what you drink, uh, the stumbling block in their life. Then verse 19, I skip down to that, says, so then let us pursue what promotes peace, what builds up one another. Here, here's a good thermometer that if you apply that, scripturally. Uh, are you promoting peace in that relationship? You see, if, if you're talking about people when they're not around, you're not promoting peace. Or you're tearing them down, you're not promoting peace. Or you're stuck, it has to be your way or, or the highway, you're not promoting peace. Then it says, do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. I'll read one more verse. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Uh, it's important for me to think less of myself and more of that, that person in a relationship. My marriage relationship, it's important for me to think, uh, am I making Lori stumble? Do I have to win this argument? Does it hurt her? Because if it hurts her, then it hurts her relationship with Jesus. And it's the same thing in any relationship you have. I'll stop right there. But Romans 14 is something I think That's we good. need to apply. Okay. Lori, would you want to say to that? Yeah, just in regards to marriage, um, I think when you, anytime you bring two people into a relationship that have different personalities, different likes, different dislikes, you're going to come to a point where you have different opinions about maybe what you should do in moving forward. So you're going to come up with um, situations where you might find yourself at an impasse. Well, what do you do? I think number one, you pray together about it. There's an incredible power and unity that comes when you get on your knees before the Father and you bring um, those um, differences to Him. He will, he will bring about unity, um, maybe not necessarily in your way, but one of you will be willing to give in your way. Something that we've practiced in our marriage is that we never move forward with the decision unless we're in unity in that decision. Um, sometimes we'll have a discussion about something and we'll walk away and we'll pray about it individually and then come back and talk about it again. And a lot of times Mark might say, you know what? God worked in my heart. I agree with you. I don't think we should do that. Or vice versa. I will say, you know what? I agree with you. And then sometimes too, it's just a matter of, you know what, Mark, I'm just going to trust you in that. And I think that you know, I don't really have a strong opinion about it. Which is it. always the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he does the same with me. I'm just going to trust you in that, and we're going to move forward with that. So, All right. Before Mark gets himself in too much trouble, let's move along here. All right. What are some practical steps uh, to love my spouse better? Sa Sandy needs to hear this one, so go on. <laughs> uh, I, I want you to write these down because I think these are good questions. I have three questions to ask yourself. And these are important. We live in a day-to-day -day, uh, that marriage and relationships of any type is about us and not about the other person. And asking these questions are counter uh, culture to what we've been taught. But I believe they're very scripturally based. And so ask three practical questions. What can I do to help you? 
what can I do to help you? Not what she can do to help me, but what can I do to help you? And in, in some ways, it can be as simple as the dishes, laundry, put your clothes away. I put my clothes, my clothes go, I think it's on the banister, shoes over in the living room, uh, but put your clothes away. Or it's even bigger than that, that you're doing something that's hurting their spirit. So ask yourself this, what can I do to help you? Here's a second thing, write this down. How can I make your life easier? How can I make your life easier in this relationship? So what can I do to help you and how can I make your life easier? Sometimes making your life easier may be not to talk anymore. Sometimes it may be to take a break. Sometimes it may be to take over and talk. I don't know. Whatever it is, you, you allow them to respond to you. This is how you can make my life easier. Here's the third thing. How can I better be a better husband or wife to you? Now, now listen to this. I want you to really write this down. Don't get offended by the answer. Don't get offended by the answer. It's been hard to hear in our relationship sometimes, you know, when I have to tell Lori that. No, I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> I've had to receive some hard information. Are you with me? So if you're going to ask the question, then don't get offended. Here's the problem with people in relationships. They take offense to everything, so they never get better. They just get sicker. And then a relationship is destroyed. So those are the three practical things that I would ask. So what can I do to help you? How can I make your life easier? And how can I be a better husband or wife to you? Don't be offended by the answer. I think the only thought that I would add is um, early on in our marriage, if you have not read the five love languages, we all receive and give love in different ways. And so I think it's important to become a student of your spouse or of your friend or whatever relationship you're in so that you know how they receive love. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I'll just add to that too. When Sandy and I first got married, we took the five love languages and we just actually did it last week. In 12 years of marriage, our love language has actually changed. Mm. And so it's interesting to see, like, growing together. How do I love you and grow together as we're developing and changing together? And they have one for kids that I, I never knew before. It's age-specific. You can ask your kids those questions. Mm -hmm. And it was just so interesting to see that my daughter is, like, she's a quality timer. You know, so, like, it's really important for me to, like, to make those times, you know, perfect for her. Just dad-daughter time. How do I show her love and how does she receive love? So I like that. And I think before we move on, let me say this to you. Uh, a date a week is important. If you're a dating couple right now uh, and you, you continue to date after you're married. So we started practicing this. We fell off the wagon a little bit with small children. Um, it's all my kids' fault. Um, <laughs> But then we date every Friday, so we go on a date. So uh, our love languages are different. Mine's quality time. Uh, not really. That's hers. It's uh, physical touch, y'all. Come on. Whoa, whoa. whoa. That's a couple questions Back away. Back down. A couple questions away. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, but we, we started spending that time every Friday to reconnect. Yeah. So even, even sometimes it's difficult. We've had times, believe it or not, where we have not gotten along, and that breakfast, Friday breakfast is very quiet. <laughs> and, but we force ourselves even then, and we're, we're always excited. Fridays is our day, Friday mornings breakfast. And then for me, I like, I like to get things done. Like yeah. I came with a list of things that we needed to talk about, a calendar out. I don't know if you want to mention that, but anyway. 
No? I think just the difference in our personalities was I was really looking forward to just spending quality time together and catching up and reconnecting. And he was like, here's a list of things that we need to get done. And let's put these things on the calendar. And that just overwhelmed me. And so we had to go back and rethink. And we actually went out to ice cream with one of our elders yeah. and his wife. And we just talked to them about that. And they gave us some really good advice about just scheduling another time, you know, where you plan out the whole calendar together and don't don't take away from that date no, time where you're good. just reconnecting. And before we move on, so I didn't use to calendar well, and our lives are so busy that I would overcommit to people. So I would overcommit to church members, our team, and my kids would get, and, and Lori would get the leftovers. And then so I started a calendar. So I'm thinking, hey, I'm doing a good job because I calendar my life and say no. But then you always got to keep tweaking that relationship knowing yeah. that, Quality time is not the time for me to be calendaring things out. Right. We did get it done, though. Anyway. <laughs> um, next question is, how do I know uh, the person I'm dating is God's will for me? Yeah, I, th I thought, oh, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say, first of all, what are the people around you saying? Yeah. The people that have invested their life in you, mm -hmm. um, your parents, uh, what are they saying? I would say that that's key. It's important to always have mentors in your life, people that are speaking into you. So if they're not for it, there's a really good chance that this might yeah. not be the best relationship for you. Right, right. Uh, I have a couple things. Maybe you can write these down if you're dating, if you're a student, uh, you are a college student, you're, you're single, you, you're older, you find yourself, you're divorced, you're redating out. I think these are important because people get really hurt through this. And, and here's a couple things. Uh, does the relationship glorify God? I know this, it's simplistic and it's kind of trite to people now when you mention this, but it's the most important thing you could ask yourself. Um, is does this relationship glorify my God? If it doesn't and you can continue to try and be in it, uh, you're going to have ramifications down the road. Here's a second thing. Does his or her actions speak louder than his words? Does his actions or her actions speak louder than their words? You know, there's one thing to say something when you're dating, too, for a short period of time. Everything's really great, and you can talk a good game. But acting out as the right man or right woman is so important. And so uh, do their actions speak louder? How, how do they respond to their parents? And I'm not even talking about good parents sometimes. Even how do they respond to bad parents? How do they respond in situations? How do they respond with you? How do they respect you? How do they love? So that's important. Then here's the last one. Does he or she respect you? Respect you. And, and here's what I mean by that. Several different aspects of a relationship. Respect is not about just, oh, getting the door for someone or buying someone something or sending a good text. Do, does that young man respect your boundaries when it comes to intimacy and the touch? Does uh, that young lady respect you when it comes to the same thing? And, and on and on we could go, so respect. So those would be the things in the relationship. That's good. Um, this is a tough one. When is it the right time to cut out a toxic relationship out of your mm -hmm. life? 
Yeah, this is um, a really good question, just because it's probably something that we've all experienced and faced. And we're not just talking about dating relationships, um, even marriage. There's very specific outline that Scripture talks about in marriage and when it's okay to divorce and when it's not, when you need to work through things. But I think we have to be really careful um, when we put people in this category of, like, you're toxic, I'm going to cut you out of my life. And so there's a few guidelines that we really have to live by. Scripturally, first of all, how many times have I sat down with that person to reconcile? Because that's what Christ ultimately wants in a relationship is reconciliation um, with that person. So maybe I've sat down with them four or five different times, and we're just sort of at an impasse, and we, we can't come together on terms of um, what is good. How well are they communicating what their struggle is with me? Sometimes people just want to vent but not get better, not help. It's just venting to vent. Um, and then another question that I sort of ask myself, too, is, is, is this somebody that I need in my life or somebody that needs me? And if it doesn't fit in one of those two categories, I'm going to be really careful about how much time I invest in trying to restore that relationship. And I'm not saying anything to devalue that person at all. They're probably really great people, but maybe just for me and my own health and well-being, it's not good. And I think maybe we need to categorize what toxic is. Um, Maybe it's somebody that is just tearing you down all the time or critical of you and somebody that you're really trying to please, but you're not able to. Yeah. And you're just constantly, they're just constantly unhappy with you. And that really burdens and tears, can tear you down. And so, I, th I think it's important to note that toxic people are never going to be happy with you unless they overwhelm you to get what they want. If you always find in that relationship that nothing you can do makes them happy, even, I mean, you can uh, get a banner flown in the sky and they're going to critique the banner. Um, it doesn't really matter what you do. Uh, that's a toxic relationship. And, and what they do is they overpower you. And they overpower you until you break. And then you feel bad. You're, 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 you're taking on that offense. And so that's important to note, too, as well as we talk about toxic relationships. Yeah. So, Daniel, uh, we got to cut you out of our life. <laughs> okay, well, moving that along. <laughs> Should I have done getting that awkward. Anyway. Um, this one came in, too, a little on the heavy side as well. Um, how do I stop feeling guilty about a failed relationship? This one's hard. This one's hard. How, how many of you in this room and online, you could really be honest today, you don't have to raise your hand, but... Uh, you deal with some guilt or some shame or just hurt over a relationship failed. It could even be a coworker. It could be a marriage. It could be a boyfriend, girlfriend. It could be uh, siblings. It could be parents. It could be children. But we all battle this. And I think one of the greatest enemies to us moving forward past those relationships is shame. And God is not a God of shame. And may you just break free of that. Anyway, I feel like scripture you may want to write down with this is Romans chapter number 8. I think this is a good chapter. Romans chapter number 8. Somebody ought to put this on the comments uh, if you're watching it online. But Romans 8 and verses 1 and 2, it says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He set you three. So you, your identity is not wrapped up in a failed relationship. 
Your identity is in Jesus Christ. Your identity is not of this world. It's not circumstantial. God's people, you, you online, everybody in this room who follows Jesus have to stop measuring their life by their present circumstance and start measuring their life by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and who he says that I am. So shame in this room has to go away in order to move forward. And I would say to you, a failed relationship Many people who divorce and get into another relationship or they move on from relationship, those become failed relationships because of that. And Romans 8, 1 and 2. Right. Just for time's sake, I'm going to kind of put two questions together here, throw you a curve, Lori. And I'm going to ask Lori this one because we know how Mark feels. Why is sex important in a marriage? And why does Jesus say living together before marriage is not right? Mm. That's a good one. Thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, I want to hear this. <laughs> well, I think um, a, re- a marriage relationship would be really challenging without physical desire. Um, God created physical desire, and he gave it as a gift. Uh, physical desire is a, is a gift that we get to enjoy. It's pleasure. It's what Mark talked about in the Garden of Eden in this, in this perfect world. God gave Um, us pleasure to enjoy. And so we have to remember that it's a gift. And then um, I think the second question was, why is it wrong to live together before we're married? Um, Scripture doesn't specifically say don't live together before you're married. Um, But anytime scripture doesn't specifically say something, I look for other um, characteristics or topics that scripture might talk about. And he does talk a lot about um, living in purity and um, fleeing fornication and immorality and all of that. I think some advice that Mark and I were given when we were dating is to enjoy every single phase of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just really good friends at first. I mean, we even told each other, I like you, and I like you more than a friend. You know, like we communicated those things and tried you to... You said that, Mark? You said that sarcastically, I kind of did because... You didn't say that, man. I hope you didn't say that. He did. <laughs> He totally right, did. I mean, Whatever. I know it, it sounds a little bit cheesy, but we, we really did spend the first six to nine months of our relationship just enjoying each other's company and getting to know each other and having a lot of fun together. And that the physical aspect of, of you know, the relationship had not begun yet. And then um, the season of I love you and stepping into that season and figuring out a hundred different ways to show him that I love him. And then when we got engaged... I mean, there was some excitement about communicating, you know, and looking forward to that date that we had set. I think his dad even gave us a book about, <laughs> about you know, sex, right. you know, once you get married. And we read this book <laughs> and we talked about it right. and we counted down the days. And let's just be really honest, like we were counting down the days to our wedding, but we were really counting down the days like we were going to get to experience the only thing in our relationship that we had not experienced yet. It's getting hot up here. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that, was the, that was the physical aspect of marriage. And so, you know, your honeymoon becomes not life as usual, but it is enjoying and looking forward to that aspect of marriage. I, and I, so, I want to say something because I don't, I don't want this to go. I know you didn't want me to answer, but I'm going to answer anyway. Um, <laughs> This is an important topic that no one talks about in the church, but everyone else talks about. So you're uncomfortable in here because I'm saying the word sex in church, but the phone you hold sells it and you watch it and pornography is on the rise yet again. 
not just with men, but women, because we have the wrong view of sex because we don't have a biblical view of sex. And I just want to bring this out. Bible wants us to have that pleasure, but that pleasure within marriage. And then we view sex as a weapon. It was never intended to be a weapon. It's never intended to be involved in your arguments and your fights. And it's for that intimacy. And let, let me share this with you. God created this, the longing and desire that makes up a sexual love. When you have sex before marriage, all things, so many things can happen, but it's, it's a flawed relational uh, point that you have to watch out for because um, you connect yourself in an intimate way with a person. And when that relationship splits up, there's a lot of things that happen because God never intended for that. He intended for that to be in a marriage relationship. And if you don't want me to talk about it to students, you guys are crazy. They're, they're, it's all over. And the church has to wake up and start answering questions that people are asking. And we have students under our nose, and we have marriages falling apart because we do not have a biblical view of this. And it's become a dirty word, so we act like it's dirty. And so I want to read this scripture. The Bible says, From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. It goes on to declare, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. It's based off the marriage relationship. The, the sexual act is the focal point, the symbol, and the physical expression of leaving, cleaving, and becoming one flesh that define the very essence of marriage. Let me say this, and then I'll stop because I'm not supposed to preach today. But young lady in this room, you are worth more. You are worth more. You are worth more than some young man stealing that from you. Um, you are worth more than that. And I would tell you, young man, to be pressured by that, that young lady. You're both worth more than that. And you're going to hurt yourself down the road. And sex becomes a weapon instead of an intimate moment with you and your spouse. And 1 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Now in response to the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because sexual immorality is so common, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. A wife does not have the right over her own body, but her husband does in the same way a husband does not have the right over his own body, but his wife does. So physical desire is a very important aspect of marriage. And you mentioned something I want you to say if you can respond to it, uh, talking about if, it, if you've done it before marriage. Yeah, I, I think that um, there is people that fall into that category. I, I mean, it's in our society, and it's prevalent, and I don't want you, again, we're talking about that shame and that yep. guilt, because purity is a state of mind. It's not necessarily a physical act. Mm. So if you have messed up and you say, goodness, we've already done that, but I'm deciding from this day forward, yep. there can be purity that's, that's right. brought back into your relationship. Right. So remember that it is a state of mind, and you can decide from here on out. Mm -hmm. There's redemption in everything. Yeah. God never holds anything over our heads. That's good. Last question uh, for time's sake. Um, how would you define spiritual leadership mm. in the home? I think um, this can be a scary topic for women because we're sort of putting our faith in this man that he's going to lead our family well. And um, so sometimes we shy away from that, but it is the, the biblical design. 
And it has nothing to do with value. I think sometimes women don't want to submit or I'm afraid of submitting because I'm, I'm afraid of just constantly giving in my way. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that Mark has the say in everything that we do. He has a final say in everything we do and everything at all. It just means that we come together and we choose together to decide mm-hmm. um, those things. So it's more about role than it is about value. So you can. Hey, Lori, in the first story, can you speak to you know Mark just leading by example spiritually? Yeah. How you were speaking about that—that that was really good. Yeah, I I think. Um, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Mark does a really good job at this in our home, and I'm thankful for that. Um, every morning, we know where we're going to find Mark. He's in the same chair every single morning reading the word and praying and leading by example what it looks like living out the fruits of the spirit and and what that looks like. And I'm so thankful that I can trust him to lead our family and he does lead our family well spiritually and yeah. it's incredibly attractive to me. Can I just say that? Like yeah. <laughs> that's really attractive to me. And so I just want to encourage you men that your woman really does rely on you to lead her spiritually and she does find it attractive when you say hey let's pray together over this yeah before mark closes i just want to say from sandy and i we were talking about yesterday just thank you guys for your example and your marriage it's you know over the four or five years mm-hmm. we've known you guys it's been such a great example your relationship just watching that and so i just wanted to Excellent. say thank you for just Appreciate you know setting that great example to us yeah. mark would you close us with some yeah. thoughts yeah um that spiritual leadership, I believe it's mutual submission. But I want to say this to every man and woman in this room, if you're dating, if it's spiritual leadership in any setting, a church setting, home, work, family, is not the words that come out of your mouth, but it's the actions you take. I learned a long time ago that spiritual leadership is stop talking about it and actually do it. And so I wrote down, I believe that spiritual leadership in the home has a lot less to do with our mouth and more to do with our actions of love and tender care to others' needs in the home. Tender care to others' needs in the home or around you. So I guess my point in that, and it leads us to closing today, I hope this was helpful. We just thought we'd change it up and talk a little bit and, and, and maybe you see us been married for 23 years and it hasn't been always great. Eventually, I, I got Lori stop acting up and uh, man, I, I hit some walls. Um, I was thinking about this in the first service and I would say this to you. Uh, the best moment of my life was the day I gave up my career and my life. And I fully surrendered to my God, not caring what anybody thought of me in the decisions I was making to make my family whole. And I would tell you, you can either live in that shame and that bondage in that relationship, or you can walk in freedom by putting down your pride and humbly admitting when you're wrong and understanding that you need help. And that it's okay for your kids to see that you need help. I, I, I often think of this. My oldest son is 21 and my youngest son is turning 18. And, and Haley, the normal kid, is, turn, is 12. And, uh, I wrote them letters 
I came home. I've told you this story before, but I wrote them handwritten letters and I read them to them at the table because I felt I had cheated on my family with the church. I was too worried about critics and people talking about me and what we were doing and pleasing everyone else because I put my worth in my title that I almost lost my family. And the greatest day of my life, the freedom came to me and a lot of people were mad at me. A lot of people tore me down. A lot of people lied about me. But it freed me when I said, I'm going to put my life in a biblical order. My wife and my children are my ministry. And I look around today and it hurt. I thought there was no life left. I thought God would never use me in a great way again. And people ask me all the time, why don't you care so much? Because I look at my children and I look at my marriage. And if God takes me home right now, I'm satisfied. As long as this woman by my side, to the best of my ability, I'm honoring and she's honoring me. My children are going to leave me. My oldest one did, so he's worth nothing to me anymore. been weird because the adult and I moved out and we're more friends than ever. And I would just say to you as we end today, it's time the church got real and honest. Leaders aren't perfect. We've had to work out marital issues in our home. We've had to admit to our children we were wrong. I've had to look people in the eye and say, I am sorry. I could give you every excuse in the book why my behavior is the way I have my upbringing and everything, but I've treated you wrongly and I am sorry. You want to change the world, it's not by a politician. You want to change the world, it's not by your bank account. You want to change the world, it's by your kids adoring, not thinking you're perfect and they can be mad at you, but adoring the fact that I know dad will say I'm sorry. I know mom will come around. I know that I'm present in my relationships. I know that I may not be the perfect dad, but dad's going to walk them through everything in life good or bad. And that's what Hamilton County needs. That's what this world needs, is to stop making everything else important and make our relationships putting reset, pushing reset, pushing reset, and bring back not the love of man, but the love of God by the overflow of the intimacy we can have with God when we throw off shame. You're as sick as your deepest secret. So why do you keep letting Satan use it as a tool? Let's get real today. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you stay online for just a second? Let me talk to you. I want you to know there's freedom in Christ. This world is at an unrest more than ever. Political parties want you to choose. Organizations have agendas. People want you to do what they want you to do. What if, what if we were more passionate 
about our relationships with each other than we were mask or no mask? What if we were more passionate about each other than we were our American pride? What if we laid to rest some things that we could not agree and we looked to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we showed people today love, bringing back the love of God first, you second, me third, because he will supply every need. Two wrongs will never make a right. Hardest thing to do is to love without being loved back. Hardest thing to do is to love knowing you may have messed up and to break that shame and chains. And I just feel compelled by the Spirit in this service that we take a moment during worship and pray. Ask for forgiveness from God and to each other and that we're going to look to reset our life on the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in this room, you say, Pastor Mark, would you please pray for me? If you're online, you need to do a wave emoji or something to get our attention. And someone online will be praying for you, our hosts. I hear tears all over this auditorium. Life is messy. But anything is possible with God. And I pray in this moment you would be honest with Him. Maybe you hear you say, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? God's working in my heart. He's moving in my life right now. I need to make some decisions and choices in my relationships. Would you please pray for me? Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? All over the room, this is awesome. This is awesome. You can put your hands down. Specifically, maybe there's a student and you say, Pastor Mark, I've been pretty selfish. Love's been about me and it's hard. Maybe you're dating. Maybe you're about to get married. Maybe you just got, I don't know. You say, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? I need to bring back God's love, not what I call love. Would you lift your hand and let me pray for you? Awesome. Awesome. Maybe you're dealing with shame. Maybe the enemy's told you you're no longer useful. Maybe the enemy's told you it's not going to work. Maybe the enemy's told you you'll always be alone. Maybe the enemy's told you just because you're single means you're not good enough. Embrace the singleness. You can do more for God than just about anybody. You say, today I'm going to wrap myself up in the identity of who Jesus is and who he made me to be. Would you stand to your feet with me and there online right now? I'm going to pray. And maybe you're here and you don't know for sure you're on your way to heaven in a relationship with Jesus. You can know that. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. The Bible tells us if we confess our mouth and believe in our heart that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Today, today could be the day of salvation. If you don't know that online, direct message us. Share it with the host. We'll reach out to you. If you don't know that in this room, would you seek us out? We want to share the gospel, the good news with you. Right now, why don't you do business with God? You're not dead, so God's not done. 
Our hope is in heaven and the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, that's who we need, is you, our Heavenly Father. To that woman that feels alone, to that man who is in the midst of struggles in that relationship, Father, we need your loving touch. To that student who's given themselves away and feels shame, to that husband and wife who's been married for years, that now struggling as their children have gotten older. God, I'm begging, would you move? Would you move amongst this room and would you move online as people watch and would you allow us to push the reset button in our life in relationships? To bring back the love for our coworkers, to bring back the love for our extended family, to bring back the love for our parents, our children, to bring back the love of God. Make that alive in me. Allow it to overflow out of me. I pray we would put down our hope in people and pick up our hope in your return. What a glorious day that's going to be. So today I pray, Jesus, that this group of people would present themselves a living sacrifice and say, I humble myself. Forgive us of our sins. Renew a right spirit within us. We give you the glory as we worship, break our hearts, tear down those chains. In Jesus' name.